All right, so we're gonna get started here with our LinkedIn webinar, but one thing we like to do before every webinar is bring on PhDs like you who want to transition into industry, who wanted to, and who were able to do it successfully. So PhDs who are facing the same challenges that you are or were, especially related to LinkedIn, and they leverage these strategies to get hired. So we have Evgeny on with us and Trin. I'm gonna make sure we can see and hear both of you. I'm gonna say hello to you both, ask you to introduce yourself, and then I'll come back to you with a very simple question about the challenges you had and, and the successes. So I'll bring you on first, Evgenia, how are you? I'm great, Isaiah, thank you for having me here. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for joining. And if you can see and hear Evgenia, okay, can you say hello, Evgenia, in the chat box, please? I think we got the good connection now. She's joining us from, where are you at now, Evgenia? Oh, I'm in Italy, in the south of Italy, actually, Amalfi Coast right now. <laughs> Traveling, excellent. Well, thank you for joining us while you travel. I appreciate it. I'll come back to you, but maybe, actually, before I go on to Trin, can you just introduce yourself and the position you're with and what you do currently in industry? Um, well, uh, yeah, I'm Evgenia. I'm from originally from Argentina. I've um, transitioned from my PhD into... Uh, Chief uh, Science Editor at an American company, which I I was like their chief editor working remotely for a year. And now I'm in a more like freelance and varied role uh, in Perfect. science communications. Excellent. And we'll come back to you and see what you did to be able to make that transition possible. Uh, Trin, hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you Isaiah? I'm good. You're traveling too, it looks like. Yeah, I'm actually traveling. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, of course, as an MSL. Uh, so please say hi to Trin in the chat box, if you would. So we both have Gania and Trin, our PhDs. They've been in the association, but before that, they had a lot of challenges and they transitioned successfully into industry. So Trin, maybe you can tell us, like Evgenia did, uh, what position you transitioned into recently. Um, yes, I'm currently a field application scientist with a biotech company called Perkin Elmer. Excellent. A little company called Perkin Elmer. Some of you have probably heard of them. So great to have you on, Trent. Thank you. And how long has it been since you started officially, right? How long ago was the transition? I just started in October. So I'm still a newbie. Newbie. Well, congratulations. Please congratulate Trent on her recent transition as well. And I'm going to ask both of you a very simple kind of two-part question. You know, what were the challenges you were facing in your job search, you know, well before you joined the association, of course, before you got hired? And when you think about those challenges, if you can think about the technical challenges you had, right, if it was, you know, getting your LinkedIn profile done correctly, um, especially anything related to LinkedIn, but also the emotional challenges you had, you know, whether it was just uncertainty, not knowing where to start, uh, imposter syndrome. Uh, there's usually those two different kind of challenges. And then on the other side of it, the second question is, or the second part of the question is, what did you change to get hired, right? So what did you change technically? What did you change in terms of your mindset to get hired? Uh, so Evgeny, I'll start with you. Challenges first, and then what did you change uh, to, to make your transition possible? Well, in my case, I feel like I can relate to most of the things that you said. Uh, I, I faced many challenges and I think like one of the main ones, like I, I, didn't, I don't think I had a problem with my LinkedIn profile because I had no idea that I was supposed to have a LinkedIn profile. 
So it was like, I was a scientist, why I should have a LinkedIn profile. <laughs> and once I kind of like started to understand that I should have one, then I was like, I guess like my biggest challenge was like to actually talk to people, you know, like connect with people and mm. kind of like not in an awkward way, but actually like building a relationship, building rapport, you know, like I had no idea how to do that. You know, like those, those like mm. soft skills and yeah, and those like one, like right now I can say that one of the best things that I like learned from the association was to network, which is mm. like now I just love networking, especially online, you know, like I get people like messages from a lot of people uh, every day, you know, like saying that, I inspire them or they want to know more about science communications or like they want, they're looking for a mentor, like different kinds of things. And I just love it. And I do it myself too. You know, mm. whenever I have, I, I want to connect with someone who I'm, you know, like I'm inspired or, you know, yeah. I want to maybe collaborate with, you know, like many things. And um, yeah. And also like adding value, you know, like I also, I had no idea what was this concept of adding value before joining the association. And then like, I first kind of like used the private group as a guinea pig. And then I started doing the same thing, like publicly on like LinkedIn or like private messages, even like I do it on Facebook because I use my Facebook professionally. Mm. So yeah, it, it opened like a lot of doors for me, you know, like even, even jobs that like I, I've been offered a lot of positions, uh, because of that, because of like networking online and adding mm. value. That's great. And, and you covered a lot of ground there. So, I mean, just if you go back to what Evgenia started with, she didn't even think she needed a LinkedIn profile. And as PhDs, we can often think, well, I'm above this, or I'm in like the academic sector. This is something that's different for me, right? Maybe I should be focusing more on like a research gate or a, you know, a scientific journal to network. But you know, LinkedIn has over 400 million users. It's specifically, it's the number one tool that employers use for hiring. We're going to go over all that data. So I think the first step is just realizing you need to invest in your LinkedIn profile. And then once you have your profile done, and we'll talk about this, you know, once you have your, your home set, then you can invite people into your home. A lot of us will start to network, especially if we get in desperation mode for needing a job and we reach out to people, they don't reply. And we can see they've looked at our LinkedIn profile and something's not adding up. So they're seeing our profile. They don't reply. It's because your profile hasn't been done, hasn't been optimized uh, to display industry credibility. And that's something that we're going to talk a lot about too. And I think the last thing Amgedia said was really important in terms of, you know, for those of you who are considering joining the association on Monday, having the group, the private community as kind of a, a guinea pig or a sounding board to test out your networking scripts on, to ask questions about how to follow up, um, we're going to go into that too. And it's really important for you to have a place to practice these skills that you likely haven't been able to practice a lot um, in, in academia with. So thank you very much for your time, Evgenia. We really appreciate it. And congratulations on all your success. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Please thank Evgenia for her time too. She's obviously traveling. She's in Italy. I'm sure she has better things to do in Italy, but she's here because she <laughs> wants to see other PhDs like you transition, <laughs> just paying it forward and adding value as uh, she mentioned. So thank you again. All right. So Trin, are you ready? Yes.
Are you ready? Sure. Okay. <laughs> sure. Same question. <laughs> so the challenges, especially the technical challenges, you know, obviously we're talking about LinkedIn today. So if there was anything LinkedIn specific, but also any of the more, you know, mental or emotional challenges as far as how to get started on your job search or the kind of the, you know, some of the perspective shifts you've had to make and then the changes you, you made to get hired. Yeah, so um, to rewind a little bit more, before I joined the association, I was clueless. Um, I didn't have a very well-structured strategy on how to, you know, go into the job search. I thought, you know, I have all these publications, technical skills need, I'll be able to land a job easily. Mm. And you can see I was clueless, right? So after getting a lot of rejection, I start doubting myself and felt lost like I don't know where to start I don't know um, how to overcome these challenges and when I joined the association what I appreciate is the well-structured plan things that you need to get in place in order to land a job in the industry so start with the resume right mm -hmm. um, I appreciate that and one of the biggest values that I found is the networking and as you said, LinkedIn is like the biggest tool that we can utilize in networking. You know, like, yeah, if you was able to go to a networking event, that's great. Because, I mean, of course, uh, meeting in person leave a stronger impression. But mm. if we unable to do that, LinkedIn is the closest thing that you can utilize. And like you said, there's... Um, I remember every jobs referral that I got, the first thing I noticed is the hiring manager check out my LinkedIn. Yes, yes. So I, I can, with the premium feature, I can see who viewed my profile and that I know, okay, they check out my LinkedIn. And before started, I had my LinkedIn in a mess. Like mm. I didn't have enough connections. Um, I didn't have enough visualizations, enough relevant information to capture the audience attention. Mm. So after going through a lot of modules and webinar that um, the association provided, I was able to get my LinkedIn in a better shape, I think. Yes. Um, so that's, I found is very helpful. Another tip that I um, found on myself is that once I connected with somebody on LinkedIn and I found that they are within driving distance, I'd be able to, you know, schedule like a coffee break, you know, meeting in person. I found this is the most effective way to build rapport. And once I met up with them, um, they're more likely to feel comfortable to refer me to a position. Mm. So these are the tips that I'm able to pick up through the process. But with that being said, you know, remotely done is also as effective. Mm. Um, I think that if we are active on LinkedIn, posting a lot of articles, relevant articles, adding values, um, I found that my profiles start getting more um, attention. Mm. And um, yeah, I got a lot of feedback from my connections and once in a while I touch base with them to keep the the relationship going you don't just hit the connect button and then thank you and then come back a year later it's like hey i need a job referrer that's not how it's done right yes yeah you have to add value and i think you know right. a lot of the points you touched on is it's exactly what we're going to go through 
And notice that Trin, you know, uh, whether she knew it or not, was talking about the sequence that you need to do things in. There is a correct sequence. Right. You can't just apply these strategies um, out of sequence. It's just like a protocol, right? If you mm -hmm. work in a lab or methodology, you have to do the first thing first and then move forward. You got to get your profile done correctly. Then you have right. to be able to start reaching out and following up. You have to add value. You can't mm -hmm. just, you know, and you can't take shortcuts. You can't just go on LinkedIn anymore and click connect, connect, connect. You have to send a personal right. message. If you don't do that, LinkedIn's going to flag you as a spammer and you're not going to mm -hmm. be able to use your profile. Uh, okay. You have to think strategically and you can't just apply one strategy. You have to apply the right strategies at the right time in the right sequence. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to go back to what Trent said at the beginning because it is substantial. You might feel like you shouldn't have to try hard to get a job or you might feel like it's going to be easy to get a job. That's not true. Getting a job at the PhD level requires a, a, a very specific strategy. It requires high touch. It requires um, evaluating the job market. It requires a, a, a complete understanding of a totally different field, the job search field. Uh, it's not like going into McDonald's and, you know, uh, uploading your resume to an automatic kiosk. You have to take this seriously and see a job search as kind of a second job. So thank you very much, Trin, for your time. I appreciate it. Please thank Trin for helping us in the chat box and for telling her story and uh, sharing her experiences. Again, she's doing it just like Evgenia to, to pay it forward and to add value uh, to more and more PhDs so we can see more and more of you get into industry where you can do meaningful work and be paid well for it. Thank you, Trin. Well, thanks for having me. Congrats again. Thank see you, you soon. Okay, so we're gonna go into the presentation. I wanna, I wanna launch a poll here first because I'm, curious how many of you is this your very first cheeky scientist webinar so you should see a poll pop up how many of you is this your first webinar or your second or your third or four more or more especially for those of you um, who are attending uh, or who are uh, considering joining the association next week I'm curious here so it looks like a 40% of you it's your very first webinar live Wow about 40% of you are the second. I'm guessing if it's your second, you attended last week's resume webinar. How many of you that marked it's your second webinar are talking about this LinkedIn webinar and last week's resume webinar? Jennifer says yes. Nick says yes. Mark, Amy, great. Well, it's great to have you here. Thank you all for joining. And I see so many people on. Lothar, Aaron, um, Ajit, Alexander, good to see you. Ali, good to see you. Amy, and Anders, Andrea. Multiple Andreas, Anna, Ann, April, hello, how are you? Uh, Barry, Brenda, good to see you. Camille, Carlos, Carrie, Charlotte, Chita, Dipin, Delise, good to see you too. I saw multiple countries being represented here. It's great to see all of you. I wish I could have time to say all your names. Julian and Kavita and Katie and Kevin, good to see all of you on. Uh, Manish and Manu and Mark, thank you very much for joining. Um, Rajesh, good to see you on. So we're going to jump into the content here. I'm going to share this poll. Just type in to the chat box poll if you can see the poll. Now, why is this important? Because this webinar, most of the people on this webinar, it's your very first or second webinar. So we're going to show some data that's crucial to helping you understand why it's important to take your job search seriously. And some of you, if you've been to four or more, like a few of you have, you might have seen this before, but we're going to go through it. There's a lot of new slides, new information here as well. Um, so make sure that you pay attention to every aspect. Don't do what most tactical thinking PhDs do. And they're like, just give me the strategies. Tell me what to write in my headline. Tell me, you know, what keyword to use. 
that's not enough. You have to apply these strategies in the right sequence, okay? No data in the poll. Let me try again. Let me see if it works here. You see the window, but no data. We'll try it one more time, and then I, I'll copy and paste it into the chat box if I have to. How about now? Did that work? Maybe I can show it on still nothing. Don't worry. What if I do this? I don't know if it'll show the actual poll. Can you see this? Can you see the poll here in front of my slides? Let's try that. You can see it now, so I had to share my whole screen for it. It's okay, we always have a workaround. Don't worry. No, some of you can, some of you can't. Can you see my desktop at all? Can any of you see my desktop? You just don't see the poll. You can see the desktop, okay. So I will read you the poll. I wonder if I can, you know what? I bet I can take a snapshot of it. Worst case scenario, it usually works the second time. There's the snapshot. It'll work the second time. Sometimes the poll feature won't share correctly. So what I can do is open it up in preview. We'll see if that works. There it is. How about, how about now? Yes, I told you it's there, right? You think it's not there. All right, so you can see here, most people are first or second. This wasn't a very exciting poll, but I wanna make sure you can see it. So we do have a workaround, there you go. All right, so now I'm gonna share just my slides. All right, so give me one sec. I'm going to share my slides, and we're going to go through the presentation. So if you can give me a yes one more time, if you can see my slides, maybe do a yes in all caps to differentiate it from all the other yeses. All right, great. Looks like you can see it. So we're talking about how to optimize your LinkedIn profile for 2019, and specifically, one of the, the key strategies we're going to talk about is how to increase your LinkedIn contacts above 500. How many of you have less than 500 connections on LinkedIn? type in me in the chat box. I'm guessing it's most of you. If that's you, guess what? You're essentially invisible to employers on LinkedIn. Now, there's, a, there's not just one LinkedIn. There's a LinkedIn that you use, but there's also the LinkedIn that employers use. There's actually four or five different LinkedIns. Okay, the ones that employer uses uh, use are referred to as LinkedIn talent or LinkedIn recruiter. Okay, it's a different LinkedIn. And if you don't have your recruiter button turned on, if you don't have above 500 connections, you're essentially invisible. There's some other things that have likely made you invisible too. How many of you are not getting contacted by recruiters every week on LinkedIn, like actual recruiters? It's going to be most of you, right? Something's wrong because PhD hiring is higher than it's ever been. It's not because you're not valuable. It's because you're invisible. Okay. Big difference there. So we're going to talk about how to make you visible. How many of you do not have your recruiter button turned on or you've never heard of it? Type in me. Type in me. Look at all these me's. Oh my gosh. Okay. Good thing you are. Good thing you're here. We got you covered. So does this sound like you not getting contacted by recruiters on LinkedIn, not getting responses from employers after applying, not getting replies from industry employees who you want to set up informational interviews with or who you want to help you get hired? If that's you, you came to the right place. So all of our Cheeky Scientist webinars go through these three parts. Okay. Scope, sequence, strategy. We don't just tell you a few strategies. I'm sure you've been to other trainings where they've given you a couple of strategies and like you're really excited you get that dopamine hit from learning something new and then you're like okay when and where do I apply this in my job search right it's like getting a protocol in a lab right of 20 different steps and then just getting step number 17 and saying hey go get me the data perform this experiment you can't do it you need the sequence you also need to know the why this is why every peer-reviewed journal article right starts with the background section it doesn't start with the results so we're going to go into the background too, especially because so many of you are new. 
Okay, real quick, I'm gonna show you where this recruiter button is and what to fill in by the end of the webinar. So make sure you stay tuned to the very end. It's really important. We actually have something new here, even if you've seen this before. And by the end of the webinar, we're gonna go through all 12 of these advanced LinkedIn strategies. A couple of them are new. There's some new things that you need to be considering, especially for your headline and especially for your skills section. And remind me to talk to you about something I just learned about yesterday, the kudos button. There's a kudos button on LinkedIn. It's a great way to network. It's a great way to add value. Remind me to talk about that. How many of you have never heard of the kudos button? Type in me. I'm guessing it's most of you because I just learned about it yesterday, thanks to one of our um, special guests on our radio show. All right, so a lot of you have seen memes like this. I have a PhD. I've done three postdocs, published six papers. Uh, I will work for food, right? The situation for postdocs, PhDs is not great in academia. Okay, subpar. And we're gonna go into just why this is. Most people don't know about this. They just know there's a problem, but really it's just a supply and demand problem. And the problem is, is that the supply of academic PhDs has skyrocketed over the past 30 years or so. Mostly because of how universities are being incentivized by the government and because postdocs, PhDs are cheap labor. Right, so they, they don't want to improve the system too much because there's that cheap labor. It's allowing them to prop up the few professorships that are left. So here's some of the actual numbers. The main takeaway is this. Some countries are increasing the number of PhDs they're producing by 20 to 40% year over year. Now, when the numbers are in the thousands, 20 to 40% year over year is an insane jump in the number of PhDs. And there's almost like a arms race between countries for who can produce the most PhDs because then they can call their country the most educated. Type in yes if you understand so far. Now this just shows it in a simplified graph. This is the top 15 countries, not counting China, that produce PhDs. Now if you include China, China just reported their numbers a bit later. China's numbers were about 55,000. So if you include these top 15 countries plus China, which would be number two on here, it works out to over 700 PhDs granted every day in STEM. If you count all countries, it's well over 1,000 PhDs granted every day. Right, so today, 1,000 PhDs are granted. Tomorrow, 1,000 PhDs. Throughout the year, well over 365,000 PhDs. Is that a lot or a little? It's a lot. It's a lot, right? That's a ton of PhDs. So why is this important? Because every day you wait to take your job search seriously, you're competing with another 1,000 PhDs in the job market. And you might think, well, my background is very different. In academia, we get focused on very niche backgrounds like computational analytical chemist. Guess what? In industry, they don't think like that. They're thinking chemist or even more broadly, scientist. Okay, so you are competing with those 1,000 people. So there's a lot of data from the National Science Foundation, which is based in the U.S., on the number of postdocs. This is just showing the U.S., but the trends are the same worldwide. For over 30 years, look at the skyrocket in postdocs. And, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you didn't even need to do a postdoc to get into a full-time tenured professorship. Now, most people do multiple postdocs. They call it chasing postdocs. The average postdoc length is six to 10 years. I'm curious here. I'm going to try another poll. Let's see if we get lucky. How many of you are postdocs? You know what? Just tell me where you are in your career so far. Let's see here. You should be able to see this poll. Let me know where you are in your career. I'm curious. Unemployed, PhD student, postdocs. We see more and more PhDs unemployed or in low paying postdocs than ever before. We have a lot of data on this. So please be honest, share with us here. It's all anonymous. Let us know where you are at in your career. All right, so with numbers like this, it really bothers me when universities and journals 
say, we, we're doing everything we can to help PhDs. I'm like, really? Are you? Are you? For the last 30 years, you've seen this data. You've done nothing, right? You act like you're increasing postdoc salary, you know, $1,000 every year, um, you know, just above the poverty level. Like that's really doing something it's not. Okay, it's important for you to know. So let's see if you can see the poll this time or if I have to do the workaround. Type in poll if it happens to show up. If not, don't worry. Yes, it worked. <laughs> All right, so look at this. So our, what's the number one here? How many of you are surprised by the percentage of unemployed PhDs that are here with us today? Type in me if you're a little bit surprised that it's number one. This is what awaits for you if you don't take your job search seriously before. Now, if you're unemployed, don't worry, you're not alone, obviously. It's something that's happening more and more PhDs. It's not because you're not valuable. It's not because it's your fault that you didn't take your job search seriously. You just weren't trained from universities. Now is your chance to take your career into your own hands, apply the strategies you've learned today to get hired because you are in demand in industry. I'm gonna show you again and again during this presentation that the problem's not you or your PhD, that's valuable. You're just invisible to employers. You just weren't trained on how to do anything outside of academia. So most are unemployed, kind of amazing. Kind of amazing here. That's, that's one of the highest numbers we've ever seen. Now, if you look at these two lines here, the blue line is cumulative PhDs awarded, right? This is from Nature Biotechnology. The, the orange line is cumulative faculty positions awarded. Now, is there more or less white space between the two as we go forward in time? More or less, quick question. Easy, right? A lot more. This is a crucial problem. This is why there is a, a pileup of postdocs. Now, you might be thinking, okay, there's a pileup of postdocs, things change, doesn't matter, it does matter. I like to equate it to the mortgage crisis of 2008, 2008 right? All of these subprime loans were propped up and eventually the whole system broke and it crumbled. All of these professorships, the few that remain, right? The few high salaried professorships that remain are propped up by the cheap labor of postdocs. Eventually, the system is going to break. It's already buckling. It's going to break. What happens when the system breaks and all of a sudden tens of thousands of PhDs in every country are leaving academia? What happens? What's going to happen? And this is something that happened recently. I gave a talk in Harvard. I use this example a lot because an entire institute in Harvard, right in the Longwood area, which is like a, a crucial medical center, uh, for in Boston, Massachusetts, um, went on a spending freeze. Every single postdoc got let go of, just like that. And I'm sure you've heard that of happening to other people, individual labs or entire institutes. All of those postdocs immediately without work. What happens when that uh, occurs on a global basis? Is it going to be easier or harder to get a job as a PhD? It's going to be almost impossible because now you have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of PhDs looking for a job outside of academia because there are literally no jobs in academia. So if you wait until then to take your job search seriously, you are in trouble. Now you might be thinking, hey, Isaiah, look at, at least the orange line has gone up. The orange line is all professorships. It's not just full-time or tenured professorships. It's part-time, contractor, adjunct professorships as well, okay? Those are increasing. What's happening to full-time tenured professorships? The line looks a little bit different. Let me show you. That's the full-time faculty. In about 10 years, full-time faculty positions will be extinct. And this is very important for you to know because a lot of us are, are brainwashed into thinking, well, being a professor should be hard. It's just hard because it's difficult to get into such an esteemed position. No, no, this isn't about 
working hard to get into a high level position. We are all for that. This is about working hard to reach a dead end, positions that aren't even going to be there in 10 years. Look at this trend line. Look at this over 30 years, okay? The, the number is close to 30% now. In 10 years, full-time professorships will be extinct. And if you take on top of this uh, different platforms that are working with universities to provide training online, it's just going to happen at a rapid pace, okay? Why is this important? Because you got to take your job search seriously. You have to start preparing for uh, career tracks that are outside of academia. Tamara's like, wait, how? Tamara, look at the trend line. Look at the trend of full-time employment. Just in the last, what does this cover? 81, 91, 2000. In 30 years, it's gone down to 40. It's about 30% now in the data we're, we're seeing. But who's going to teach college? Adjunct professorships, part-time professorships, right? A lot of postdocs now, universities know it looks bad to call them postdocs for like 10 years, so they change their name to staff scientist or researcher, even though they don't get a raise. How many of you have seen this? Type in yes. How many of you have seen contractor or part-time professorships increase, right? Why do they do that? Because they're cheaper. It's cheap labor. The whole system is about to break. And we want you to be prepared for it. Now, supply and demand, right? If you have an increased supply of chicken noodle soup at your grocery store, what's going to happen to the price of chicken noodle soup? Is it going to go up or down? Down, right? So what's happening to what you have to pay PhDs in academia? There's so many of them, you don't have to pay them a lot. Even if the NIH or whatever governing body sets a guideline for what PhDs should be paid, nobody follows it, right? A, a zero-year postdoc in the U.S. is supposed to make like 47000 now, but the average is actually about 35000 for a starting postdoc, okay? Very important for you to understand. You can see the differences here. What, the green bar is what you're worth. This is according to the National Science Foundation. So no matter your background, that's what you're worth in industry. The orange bar is what you're worth as a postdoc. And this, is, this was published in science recently. The backgrounds are broken up in a slightly different way. Whether you're in the physical sciences, life sciences, engineering, it doesn't matter. You're worth about $91,000, a little bit more, in industry, but you're only worth an average of about $46,000 in your postdoc. Now, it's very important for you to understand that a postdoc is a training position. Universities are allowed to pay postdocs so little because they're classified by the government as a training position. Yet, some publications and universities will try to convince you that a postdoc is employment. It's not employment. It's a training position, which is why they can pay them so little. It's not employment. So if you're a postdoc, you're actually, according to the government, you can go to the government and ask this, you're actually considered unemployed. That's why you can get on food stamps and government assistance as a postdoc, right? And that's why these numbers are so staggering. 80% of all life science PhDs will end up unemployed or in a low-paying training uh, position. 60% of all PhDs uh, will face this. And you just saw this in the poll um, with so many PhDs unemployed. 38% were unemployed, 21% in postdocs. So that's 30, 40, 50. That's 59%, almost exactly that 60% number here. And there's simply no tenured profession, professorships left. Now, here's the good news. Who, who's ready for some good news? You're probably thinking this is the most depressing webinar ever. Why did I show up to this? <laughs> All right. So we have good news. PhDs are being hired into top companies around the world at an accelerated rate. You're probably thinking, I don't believe that because I haven't been hired. I haven't even been approached. That's because you're invisible. Once you become visible, you're going to get hired very, very quickly. You just have to learn what it takes to become visible. You have to get access to the right network so you can start building an industry network and industry credibility. 
our associates have gotten jobs at all the companies you see here and many more. Top tech companies, top biotech companies, top pharmaceutical companies around the world. Now, if you look at job increases worldwide, all of the job growth is in STEM. You might hear in the news a lot, for example, about manufacturing jobs. These jobs are just being moved around from different countries back and forth, right? There's not actual job growth. The growth is in STEM. That's great for you. This is 5.6 out of a population of billions, okay, in terms of the jobs that are available. Huge number, huge increases. This is great for you. This is according to a mass bio report, which is a, it's a great, uh, if you're not looking at the mass bio reports, you should because four of the top 10 cities in terms of the most PhDs per city are in Massachusetts. So it's a good sample for PhDs to look at. What it shows here is that industry hiring is up 20% for PhDs, 27% specifically in biotech and R&D, but also medical testing labs, CROs, right? Contract research organizations, CRAs, clinical research associations, um, pharma, pharmaceutical, of course, lab instrument manufacturers, lots of job increases. And maybe you've heard that your PhD is going to hold you back from getting a job. How many of you have heard this? How many of you have heard that you should put a master's on your resume rather than your PhD? I really think this is something that uh, some professor propagated a long time ago. And I think, it was, I think it's just used to make us feel better. You know, we apply for jobs, we don't get hired. We hear, oh, you should have your master's and we feel better about ourselves because we think it's not us or you know, it relieves us of the responsibility of having to network or do things that are a little less comfortable than just uploading a resume. But here's the truth. More than twice as many PhDs were hired into STEM jobs last year than those with their masters. Okay, including top jobs like data scientist, research associate, etc. Your PhD is highly valuable. Use it on your resume. How many of you need a visa to get a job where you want to work? Type in visa. Right? As PhDs, we all think we have unique obstacles that nobody else has overcome or our situation is unique. And your situation is unique, but it's, you're not the only one facing it. You can still get a job. How many of you need it? How many of you have zero industry experience? Type in zero. How many of you have a gap on your resume? Type in gap. So why am I asking this? Because it doesn't matter what your background is. Your PhD is so valuable, you can get hired. Shia didn't have a visa to work where she wanted to work. She had no industry experience. She had a two and a half year gap on her resume. First job in industry. Once she applied the strategies we're going to go through, a management position in research development and acquisitions. Okay, you, be, you might think with this background, there's no way this person's going to get hired. But with a PhD, it's possible. That's how valuable your PhD is. Yuri did a three-year postdoc, became unemployed. Another three-year postdoc became unemployed again. He had three kids. It was a tough situation. He didn't know what he was doing wrong. He joined the association, applied these strategies, got hired his first job at Bristol-Myers Squibb, making over $100,000 a year. Second job at Celgene, making over 150000 You think again, okay, this person is hopeless. Unemployed twice, no way. They're ever going to have a successful career. It was possible because he had a PhD and because he had the right blueprint. Lillian, I use her as an example because you owe, another, another myth that you hear a lot about is that you need a postdoc to get a job in industry or you need a postdoc to get us into a senior scientist position. You don't. Lillian got a job as a senior scientist at L'Oreal right after she graduated, went right from getting her PhD to getting into a job. You can do the same thing. Now, if you have postdoc experience, you can use it to your advantage, 
but you don't need more academic experience. No industry employer is like, wow, this PhD just needs a little bit more academic experience to get hired. No, they're thinking I want to get this PhD hired so they can get on the job training. That's what this PhD needs. Marcella Melby, just an example of somebody in teaching and learning, right? Not traditional STEM who transitioned using these strategies. Nick Ross, engineer, got a job at Intel. We have had a lot of associates get hired at Intel. Naomi Noble's a social scientist, got hired using these strategies. Aruna Doisur, he needed a visa. He's from India. Not easy right now, especially to get a visa to work in the U.S. from, Indi uh, from India. He was able to do it because he got tips and strategies from our immigration lawyer collaborators that are part of the association that you will get access to in the association as well. Okay, sequence. Your LinkedIn profile is more important than your resume. A lot of us think that a job search starts with writing a resume. Okay, how many of you, your entire job search so far has just been uploading resumes online? Type in me. In fact, you know what? I'm going to ask a poll that might help us clarify. And that's okay if it's you. I appreciate your honesty. Let's see. I want to know where you are in your job search. I'm going to do another poll here. Let me know where you are in your job search whether you don't know where to start or you've just been uploading resumes. You can see most people are just uploading resumes. They think that is the first and only thing you have to do to get hired. It's not true. The first step usually in a job search is reaching out to somebody, networking, right? Reaching out to somebody, setting up an informational interview, then getting a job referral to an actual decision maker at a company for a job that's probably not listed online, talking to that person on a phone screen, and then giving them your resume and your LinkedIn profile link. They'll probably look at your LinkedIn profile well before that too. The person that you reach out to for the informational interviews, the first thing they're going to do is look at your LinkedIn profile. If you get introduced to a hiring manager, you get a job referral, the first thing they're going to do is look at your LinkedIn profile. You have to have your LinkedIn profile done. It is a priority very early on in the job search sequence. I'm going to share this poll. Type in poll again just to make sure you can see it. There we go. Great. Fantastic. So you can see most of you don't know where to start, right? This is true of most PhDs and, and some of you have been uploading resumes. That's the starting point you thought was the correct starting point. It's not your LinkedIn profile is a, a place where you should be starting first in terms of getting your industry credibility uh, present online. Now, why is this important? Because employers are going to LinkedIn more than any other site. Now this says 4% of recruiters. If you look at the study uh, methodology, it's actually 4% of employers, okay? So 4% of all employers are, are not on social media. That means that 96% are. And of those, 87% are using LinkedIn to hire. I'm gonna show you some other data that shows that for PhD level jobs specifically, it's almost exclusively on LinkedIn. They're not going to Facebook or Twitter to hire for PhD jobs. Um, they're doing it a little bit more, but LinkedIn, right? So if you wanna put your efforts somewhere, put it on LinkedIn. Why? Because employers get data like this, right? So the quality of job applicants where are the highest quality job applicants found? If you're an employer and you got this data, where would you look? Where would you look for, for job candidates? Would you go to Glassdoor? Would you go to ResearchGate that's not even on this list? No, you're going to go to LinkedIn. It has twice as many high quality candidates as any other uh, site on this list, including CareerBuilder who did this study. This is just a simple infographic, and I want you to focus on one thing the core users. Don't worry about the age. Worry about the, the text and gray beneath it. Who are the core users on LinkedIn? The well-educated. So again, if you're an employer, you're already spending most of your time on LinkedIn. You want to find a PhD to, fee, uh, to fill a PhD high-quality job. Where are you going to go? 
you're going to spend all of your time on LinkedIn. That's where you're going to be looking for people. And that's why understanding these LinkedIn strategies is so important. Here's something you need to understand. Most jobs are not posted online. In fact, 80% of, of jobs available are never posted online. The jobs that are posted online, over half of them have been filled internally, right? Most of the time, a company will only go through the trouble of posting a job online. If it's a publicly traded company, for example, they have to by law, the government makes them post the job online, even if they filled it already, right? There's a lot of other government regulations where jobs for companies of a certain size, they have to be posted online. Um, so if you see a job online, you apply to it, that job might already be filled. Small, medium-sized companies, especially, and in industry, small doesn't mean like a small lab of two people, right? Small can be anything from 10 to 1,000 employees. Mid-size can be 1,000 to several thousand. All right, a lot of these companies are growing so quickly that they're hiring through word of mouth. Certainly, they're looking for a referral, right, before they make a hiring decision. This is very important for you to know. What does this mean? It means you need to start thinking about your job search differently. You need to start networking, building industry credibility. Here's, some uh, here's a study from Forbes um, based on several surveys and other studies showing that 50% of all hires at top firms are from referrals. A referral is if I'm working at a company, and this was true of some of the early companies I worked with, whenever a job was about to open up in my department, the department manager would come in and say, hey, we're about to open up XYZ job. If you know anybody that would be a good fit, let us know. Right? And then all that had to, had to happen was somebody to reach out to me that I knew, right? if they would have set up an informational interview with me, if they had been talking to me, networking, had added any value to me whatsoever, and had asked if there was any job openings coming up, I would have told them, right? Why? Not just at the, I mean, a little bit out of the kindness of my heart, but also because there was a great incentive. There's employee incentive packages for referrals. At this particular company, they would pay out a $1,000 bonus to anyone who referred a job candidate that got hired. Okay, so you have to th start thinking about it a, a little bit differently. Your best chance of learning about a job first is by building up that network by setting up informational interviews. And we're going to talk about that, how to network on LinkedIn to do this. Now, why are referrals more and more popular? For PhD level jobs, we actually see 60 to 70% of them filled through referrals. Why? Because it costs about $60,000 to onboard a PhD level job candidate at a company. $60,000, this is the cost to fly you out for a site visit, the background checks, the man and women hours to, that go into interviewing and making it possible to hire you. And here's the data, referral, a job filled through referral lasts longer. It's the number one employment, leads to the number one employment length. That means both the employee and the employer are happiest when the job is filled through referral. It's also the fastest way to get hired. The number one application to hire time, number one source of hiring quality, number one source of hiring volume. Now here's the key. Look at this 7% in this blue circle. Only 7% of job applicants get referrals. That means you can put yourself ahead of 93% of other job candidates just by getting a job referral. That's how important it is. Effectiveness of job search methods. Okay, look at this. The top two, networking, direct contact with employers. Both of those fall under the umbrella of getting job referrals. 48% plus 24%, that's 60, 72%. Internet job search, 6%. Once again, another study, 30% networking, 30% direct interaction with employers, that's 60%. Applying using online job boards, 5%. Again, for PhD level jobs, research and networking, 60.7%. Internet job search, 
why would you put your career aspirations in the 3.6% bucket? I wouldn't do it. And just in case you got tired of looking at pie charts, here's another type of graph. Employee referrals, number one, again, almost 80%. Okay, who's ready for some strategies? I'm gonna stop sharing this poll since you all saw it. We're gonna get to some strategies here in terms of what specifically to do on LinkedIn. What specifically to do on LinkedIn. And I'm curious, I'm gonna ask you, I, I, we talked a little bit about background. How many of you are life scientists versus physical scientists, engineers, mathematics? Here's the good news. STEM, according to the National Science Foundation, is actually any field that uses the scientific discipline, including life sciences, physical sciences, engineering, math, it even includes education, economics, et cetera. Everything essentially but the classical humanities. The good news is whatever category you're in here, these strategies will help you get hired, okay? We have people in every one of these categories in our association, and we've helped all of them get hired, okay? So a lot of you are life scientists, a lot of physical scientists, engineers, and this is pretty much, this is a, we got a few more life scientists here than we usually do. We usually have about 40% on. That's what we have in our association, about 20% physical sciences, about 20% engineering, and then about 10% of other. But we've helped all of them get jobs. So this is for you, no matter what your background is. All right, so we're gonna talk about professional headshots, what you need to put in your headline, your professional summary, how to use images, how to make your profile skimmable so that people who come to it don't see a big block of text and just leave. We're gonna talk about how to leverage references, skill endorsements, the new kudos button. Remind me to show you that. Use of company and position specific keywords. How to write three uh, or how writing self-published articles can increase your exposure, make you more visible. How to reach out on LinkedIn, how to network. We're gonna talk about all of this. Now the key again is to get your LinkedIn profile done first. Optimize your LinkedIn profile, not for 2016, but for now and 2019 and beyond so that when you reach out to people and you network, they'll come to your profile, it'll display industry credibility, and they'll actually reply to you. Or they'll find you in a search and they'll actually reach out instead of looking at your profile. How many of you have had somebody look at your profile, like you've looked at, looked at who's looked at your profile, and they never reached out to you, or they never replied to you at all? How many of you have experienced this? Something is wrong with your profile. It's probably an employer, an employee, somebody interested, somebody who needs to hire somebody or get a referral to somebody, and your profile didn't display industry credibility. So does a professional profile matter? Yes, it does. I was, yesterday I had somebody reach out to me and they were interested in joining the association. I'm, I'm excited to have them join and they might even be on right now, uh, but they provided their LinkedIn profile. I went to their LinkedIn profile and I, I kid you not, they were in a entire hazmat suit on their LinkedIn profile, standing in front of like a big lab hood, uh, and you couldn't even, you could see their eyes in a hazmat suit. I'm not kidding. It was, it was, uh, it's something that might be surprising unless you're a PhD and then you're like, oh, I can see that. I'm guessing there's some of you on, be honest. How many of you have a profile picture where you're holding a pipette or you're in your lab coat or you're in front of a computer? Type in me, be honest, don't lie. Let's see, let's see who has it. Thank you, Olive, Mona, Carlos. No, no, you're saying no. How many of you have that? I know some of you have it. It's okay. You don't have to be too honest yet, but we see it quite a bit. Now, for your profile, I, had, uh, I have a great example here. So Dane Kim came into our association, came to me and said, I'm applying all of your networking scripts, the same networking scripts you can get by going to phdsgethired.com before the end of this webinar. Um, if you go there and sign up, 
you can get access to our networking scripts. He was using these networking scripts and he said, I'm using the scripts, but nobody is responding. I said, well, let's look at your LinkedIn profile. This was his profile. What's the problem? No picture, of course. So some of you are asking for those networking scripts. I'll have Mary put the link in there. I'll put the link in. It's phdsgethired.com, phdsgethired.com. Remember that if you go to phdsgethired.com before the end of this webinar, I'm mentioning it now because we're getting close to the top of the hour. If you go there, enter your name and email address, you're going to get the highlights of this webinar, the recording sent to you. It's the only way to get it. You're going to get the networking scripts uh, guidebook, our most proven networking scripts sent to you at the end of the webinar. You're also going to get that 50 page plus LinkedIn guide that shows you where every single button is on the new LinkedIn and how to use it, how to use the alumni page, where the recruiter button is, where the kudos button is, all of these things sent to you. You just got to go to phdsgethired.com, phdsgethired.com. How many of you got on the wait list today? The PhDs get hired. How many of you have gone to the link and got on the wait list so far? If you're already on it, guess what? You're going to get the bonus too. All right, Lucian, Charlotte, Madus, you're on it. That's great. So you have to do that before the end of the webinar if you want to get those bonuses. So, oh no, I ruined it. All right, so, so Dane Kim, I said, look, you got to get a picture. Okay, if you want people to respond, you have to put a picture in your profile. He put a picture, he told me, he reached out to people. He comes back to me and says, okay, I got one response out of like 20. And I was like, what is going on? Why is, is he still not getting responses? I went to his LinkedIn profile again. This is what I saw. What is the problem here? What is the problem here? Microscope, the background. You can't see his face, right? And you're probably like, okay, I don't know who this person is. Like it almost makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable because you can't see the person's eyes. Are they displaying industry credibility here? No. Or what they're displaying is that they're maybe a good tech or maybe a good student, right? Clearly an academic, clearly don't understand what professional credibility, industry credibility looks like. Okay, so I said, go back, go get a headshot, you know, go down and go to a local department store, get three pictures for 50 bucks that you can use for the next 10 years, right? An actual headshot, wear what you would wear to an interview. He comes back, he says, Isaiah, good news. Almost everybody's responding. I have five different job leads. One of those job leads ended up getting him hired and now he's hired. This is the picture that he changed it to. How great is this picture, right? Juan says, nice. Paramita says, wow. Notice what just happened as you saw, as like you looked at the picture, all of a sudden you feel like you know Dane, right? You've never met him, but you feel like, wow, I, I, trust, I trust Dane. If he reached out to connect with you, would you connect back after you saw this picture? Yes, you would, right? Because it displays industry credibility. It's somebody who is dressing like they're ready for an industry job, right? Little things like that. At least somebody whose eyes you can see, you know, even if you have glasses, you need a well-lit picture, a blank background, preferably dress well, it matters. Now for your headline, you have to answer these three questions in your headline, these three questions, okay? Who are you professionally? Who are you personally? And what do you want professionally? What do you want professionally? Okay. How many of you have answered these three questions in your headline? How many of you have answered these three questions in your headline? 
Only two, you think? Oh, so who are you professionally? Now, guess what most of us do? We put in graduate student at XYZ University, postdoc at XYZ University. How many of you have an academic job title in your headline? Be honest, type in me. Okay, that's why you're invisible. That's one reason. Do you think that employers, recruiters, hiring managers are typing in graduate student or postdoc on LinkedIn recruiter, especially recruiters, hiring managers, who in most cases don't have a PhD, you do realize that most hiring managers and recruiters don't have a PhD. They're not typing in academic job titles that we value. You have to consider your audience, okay? That's a big problem. That's one of the reasons you're invisible. Who are you personally? You have to put something on there that shows that you're well-rounded. Remember, most of these people aren't gonna have PhDs, the first ones to see your profile. Put something that, you know, if you're, you have a hobby, an instrument that you play, uh, put down, you know, that you like to, you're an avid reader if you have to, arts and crafts. If you can't think of anything, just say you're a hiking enthusiast, okay? If you walk to the lab, you walk to the classroom, you're a hiking enthusiast, All right? Something that shows you're well-rounded, something that's not just STEM-based. Yes, in the headline, I'll show you some examples. And then what do you want professionally? So many PhDs leave off the two most crucial items. So if I'm looking to hire a project manager in London, what are the two phrases that I'm gonna use first in my jobs, in my search? I wanna hire a project manager in London. What are the two key words I'm gonna use first? Project manager or project management and London, right? Project manager, project management and London. Project manager, project management, London. Now, most people don't do that. Also, if you don't have 500, 500 connections yet, put an L-I-O-N, it's LinkedIn Open Networker, or let's connect, right? Let's connect with an exclamation point until you get over 500 connections. Once you get over 500 connections, all of a sudden you're gonna hit, it's called hitting LinkedIn's algorithm, which just means that you're gonna have the requirements that they're looking for to show you to more employers. If you don't have that yet, that's why you have to get access to a network. And I'm guessing most of you don't have a network outside of academia at all. This was certainly the case for me in my last year uh, in academia. My industry network was goose egg, zero. How many of you have an industry network of zero? Type in zero. That's okay. It's for most of us that have spent our life in academia, it's the case, right? So you need to correct this quickly. And that's what really Cheeky Scientist in the association was built on. I went through this experience. I saw countless other PhDs go through it. You had no network in industry. All you knew was people in academia. And I said, what, would it, what if we could create a pre-made job referral network for PhDs? What if it was created by PhDs who knew what PhDs were going through? And it was private so that PIs and, and other academics couldn't get in there. It was just PhDs who wanted to get industry jobs who could give referrals to other PhDs. PhDs who are working in industry and who could refer people for these top level positions. That's what the association was built on. So again, include your top one or two locations you want to work in. You might be thinking, but if I put in a location, I'm going to limit myself. No, if you don't put in any location at all, you're not going to show up in any searches. When somebody's searching for a job, they're putting in the location they're searching for. So put in the top one or two preferred cities. Okay, you have to do this. If you're willing to relocate, that's fine. Put in willing to relocate in your headline, those three words. Okay, but you have to put in your top one or two cities. You're not going to show up in any searches. Put in willing to relocate too because they'll type that in, willing to relocate. And then put in the job titles, top one or two job titles. Even if you're interested in 10 job titles, put in the top one or two. Top one or two job titles. 
Very important. Okay, so professional summary. For those of you that came to the resume webinar last week, the sentences you want to use in your professional summary need the same exact structure as the bullet points in your professional summary on your resume. Should start with a transferable skill. That's the most important thing employers look for. As a PhD, they know you either have the technical skills you need or you can learn the technical skills because they know a PhD is a doctor of philosophy. Maybe you forgot this, but it's a doctor of philosophy. That means you're a doctor of knowledge and the ability to ascertain knowledge. You're literally a doctor of learning. This is why PhDs with no industry experience can get hired because of their speed of learning. That's the most valuable thing that employers are looking for right now. With the way the, the increased pace of technology and networks now, speed of learning is everything, especially in innovative careers in biotech and pharma. How many of you have speed of learning on your LinkedIn profile or your resume? Let me ask you this, how many, how many of you don't have this? It's gonna be most of you. Type in me if you don't have it. All you're thinking about is I don't have any industry experience. 90% of the PhDs who come into the association don't have any industry experience, yet they all keep getting hired. Why? Speed of learning. Okay, that's a key transferable skill you need to start communicating. That's just the tip of the iceberg of things that we're gonna teach you. You need to end every sentence with a quantified result. The result itself is not as important as you showing that you understand the importance of results in industry. You need to quantify them too. be specific because eye tracking studies show that people's eyes stop on numbers and then sandwich these two things together with your technical expertise. All right. This is obviously much more strategic, much more advanced, right? Than just using the word enthusiastic over and over. How many of you have been told that you just need to use action words or the word enthusiasm over and over? Type in yes. I'm just told that today. Total, total garbage, okay? To that's somebody talking to you that doesn't have any idea what they're talking about. No employer out there has been like, okay, they use the word enthusiastic 15 times, let's hire them. Especially for PhD level jobs. They wanna see that you have transferable skills that are relevant to the job. We talked a lot about transferable skills last, in the last webinar. We have entire trainings on it in the association. We don't have time to go through it today. If you do a Google search for transferable skills, cheeky scientist and ebook, you'll get our ebook on that. Um, but again, we, we go into detail into that in the association. Now, one thing I want to show you is that the summary now on LinkedIn is, is down here, right? You want to put in your top three career highlights down there. But remember, the first one's the most important because only the first one is going to show without having to click see more. Now you have to click see more to see your entire summary. So that first sentence, that first career highlight needs to be amazing. And this is why we have so many associates, like Evgenia said, sharing this stuff in our private group to get a, a lot of diverse opinions on it to make sure it's perfect before putting it on their LinkedIn profile. Best way to do this is to get three different colored note cards. On one colored note card, put all of your top transferable skills that are relevant for the jobs you want. Another colored note card, put all of your quantified results. The last colored note card, put your technical expertise. Mix and match these until you get the best career highlights possible. For example, right? This is what your professional summary might look like. Notice all of them start with a transferable skill, leadership skills, knowledgeable innovator, relationship builder. Again, these are transferable skills that should be relevant for the jobs that you want. Make them as specific as possible, but realize they're gonna sound general or they're gonna sound simple. So specific but simple is fine. Right? So this is, this is specific relationship builder, but relationship builder sounds kind of simple, you know, simple. That's okay. They're going to sound much more simple than your technical expertise. That's what you want because recruiters and hiring managers don't have PhDs in most cases. 
Here's that language you want to end every bullet point with, resulting in, as evidenced by, as demonstrated by, a publications, grant funding, patents, collaborations are quantifiable results, methodologies that you've invented or improved are quantifiable results. Methodologies are just protocol systems, and systems are what allow businesses to scale. They are important. Now, going back to what both Evgeny and Trinth said, showing your results is crucial. Here are some quantified results that you can show. Number of publications, number of presentations, number of collaborations, especially cross-functional collaborations. Cross-functional just means working with people you don't have authority over to get things done. It's a buzzword in industry right now. Include that on your LinkedIn profile and in your conversations with employers. Same with speed of learning. Optimized and innovative methodologies. Discoveries, quantifiable result, a discovery, a patent, a grant, grant funding, all quantifiable results you want to include. Now, again, we're a little bit over the top of the hour. If you want the 50-plus page guidebook for all of the changes that have been made to LinkedIn, including where every single button is, including how to access LinkedIn's alumni page, the recruiter button, the kudos button, all of LinkedIn's new features, you got to go to phdsgethired.com before the end of the webinar. Mary, just put that link into the chat box. Click on that link, PhDs Get Hired, put in your name and email address before the end of the webinar. And we will send that to you. But only, only do that if you're serious about joining the association and getting an industry job. Okay, that's, that's who these materials are for. Now, make sure you do fill out your accomplishments section. We have an entire training on this in the association. For now, I'll tell you to fill this out as much as possible. And make sure you include projects. Almost nothing is more important to employers, especially when evaluating PhD candidates, than project management and people management. So talk about the projects you've done, especially the collaborative projects that you've done. Intellectual property, right? That's something too that we didn't mention. What I'm showing here though is you can add links to your profile that'll pull in thumbnails. And eye tracking studies show that if you have thumbnails, images on your profile, that employers will spend more time on them. And unlike your resume, there is room to add your publications on your LinkedIn profile. You actually want to fill out your LinkedIn profile as much as possible because some employers will just keep reading and reading it. And studies show the more they read on a profile, the more likely that they are to call you and to hire you. Why are publication section uh, valuable on LinkedIn? Mostly because you can pull in your co-authors. Why does this matter? Because a publication is a project. And it shows that you have worked with people collaboratively, collaboratively to get a big, big project done. Right, so it shows that you're not just a lone academic who can't work with people. It shows that you are a team player who can work with others to get a big project done. Did I share the results of this poll? I think I did. Do I have any left here? Let's see, oh, career track. So I'm interested, while we wrap up here, we're gonna get through a lot of the good stuff. I'm gonna ask you a question about which career tracks you're interested in. I'm very curious, so be thinking about that. I wanna kind of bring this home. Who's ready for me to bring it home in terms of the final things that you need to do to your LinkedIn profile and how to reach out to people? Okay, so you filled out all your LinkedIn profile sections. Now you gotta make your LinkedIn profile specific for the jobs that you want using keywords. What you need to do is choose the top two, maybe three, four at the most job titles you're interested in Look for five to 10 job postings for each of those job titles. 
okay? Then go through all of them and highlight the key words, which are the key transferable skills and technical skills that are in those job postings. Look for the ones that are important, right? Where they might say specifically, this is important, but also look at how many times they use those words. Now this might take you a while, right? Cause your LinkedIn, pro like your, your LinkedIn profile is unlike your resume. Your resume, you wanna target to every individual person for every individual position, right? Your LinkedIn profile needs to appeal to every position, every employer you're interested in. Type in me if you understand the difference. So that means you need to go through a lot of uh, additional job postings and kind of collate them all together and look for the transferable skills that are used the most and make decisions based on a larger job posting sample. Now, of course, this can take you forever if you do it manually. We at Cheeky Scientist invented a hack for this. For those of you who have been here before, what's the hack? It's a word cloud. There you go. Go to wordcloud.com, wordclouds.com, or wordle.com and type, uh, you copy and paste as many, as much content from as many job postings as you want into that word cloud. And it's gonna show you the words that are the largest, those are the transferable skills, technical skills that are the most important. For this, for LinkedIn, this is gonna save you a ton of time. Who's impressed? Type in, if you're on a scale of one to 10, how impressive is this if it's your first time seeing it? This is gonna save you so much time. Nine, or I'd say 11, <laughs> thank you. Tip, very, very typical PhD response, right? Some of us are like, meh, seven, 10, some 11s. I appreciate it. No, we want to save you time. We have a lot of these different hacks in the association. Your skills and endorsements. Most importantly, you can choose your own skills. Type them in. Choose the skills that are the most important to the jobs you want. Go back to your word cloud results. Take like the top three and put those in as your skills and start getting people to endorse them. Here's another hack. If you take your current skills that are the most endorsed, put two of them in the top three, and then add another one that's brand new, maybe you have no endorsements on, LinkedIn will show that brand new one to more people because it wants to make those numbers even. Another hack. Now, once you have your LinkedIn profile done, you need to start connecting with people. Now, connecting is what happens when you reach out to somebody for the first time. Networking is what happens during the follow-up the follow process. Most of you know this difference, whether you realize it or not, right? If you've gone to a poster session, a conference, you've collected a bunch of business cards, you felt really good about yourself, you're like, I'm networking, I'm networking. But then what happened to those business cards? They just sat there, right? How many of you have experienced this? Type, type me. That's because you weren't networking when you were collecting business cards, you were just connecting. Networking is what happens during the follow-up process when you build a professional relationship. Now, the great news for you as a PhD, especially if you're a little bit introverted, is that most networking, most follow-up happens online now by email, especially by LinkedIn. You just have to know how to do it. Now, most of us as PhDs, we wait to reach out to somebody because it's a little bit uncomfortable. It's not really taught to us in academia. And if anything, it's frowned upon in academia, networking. But in industry, networking is the currency of business. It's valued. In fact, it shows employers that you really care about the position, that you're willing to follow up. And a following up is a transferable skill in itself. Problem is, is that we don't reach out to people until we're desperate usually. And then we send a message like this. What's wrong with this message? We talk about ourselves the entire time, right? And then we ask for something. How many of you have sent a message like this? Be honest. How many of you have gotten into desperation mode, needed a job, especially those of you who are currently unemployed? Thank you for your honesty, Charlotte and Francis and Trang and Kevin. I appreciate your honesty, Rajesh. That's what we do. We're desperate <laughs> this afternoon, Duvall. Thank you. 
hi, I'm this PhD from this prestigious university. I have all of these skills. By the way, can you help me get a job? Is anybody going to respond to this? For those of you that said you've done this, has anybody responded and helped? You get hired? No, because you're here and you're not hired. Instead, send a message like this. This is one of our most proven networking scripts. You can get this networking scripts and dozens of others of, that have been proven by our associates who have gotten jobs. If you go to phdsgethired.com before the end of this webinar, we're almost done. If you want to get that bonus, you have to go there before the end of the webinar, put your name and email address in. It's also the only way that you can get the highlights for this webinar. If you want to get the recording, do it. We'll also give you a free um, early link to a, a special webinar that we're gonna be doing in the future. So make sure you go to phdsgethired.com. We'll get Mary to put that link in there again for you. Let me see if I can do it here too. There we go. All right, thank you. So what is different about this networking script? It's short. Is it about me, the sender, or the other person? The other person, right? It's adding value and it's approaching them as a colleague, not as somebody begging for a job, right? Look at this line here. It's great to see someone in the field doing such great work. Keep it up. It talks about an article they did or some result they've achieved or maybe they got promoted recently. And then it asks a question. Too many people think they're networking when they're just sending statements. If you want somebody to reply, ask a question. All right, we go into this, of course, in detail in our association. Now, how can you add value? We taught you, we heard Evgenia Trin talk about adding value. It's very, very important. And it's very, very simple. You probably think, you know, we mean like giving money or giving somebody a job to add value. That's not it. Just show appreciation as a colleague, compliment their work, congratulate their career progress. If they have any sort of advancement in their career progress, job title, et cetera, on LinkedIn in the last two years, it's still soon enough to say, congrats. Trust me, they're not tired of hearing people appreciate their career advancement. Ask them for their personal opinion and advice. So many of us forget that asking people to give their advice or opinion is adding value. They don't want to have to do heavy lifting to help you work, right? Like they don't want to help you get a job right away, but they're happy to tell you their opinion on something. So ask them, give them the chance to do that. Ask them for their advice, simple advice on something. Make a recommendation. Look at their interests. One person I reached out to when I was looking for my first, first job, they, one of their interests was Richard Branson. And I looked and there was a new book by Virgin and Richard Branson that came out. I sent them the link. I said, hey, did you see this new book? They said, no, I hadn't even, hadn't even seen the book yet. I just bought it. Thank you very much. Started a conversation that led to me getting another job. Okay. It starts very, very simply. That's the kind of things you need to do. Offer value in this way. Make an introduction. So many of us are concerned about getting introductions. Make an introduction. A, a great way to get to know somebody you don't really know better or don't know at all is to introduce them to somebody you do know well. Find something they both have in common, a similar location or interest, introduce them. When you offer to introduce somebody to somebody else in industry, it's like finding free money. Everybody knows networking is important for business, but it's also hard and uncomfortable and takes time to do. When you do it for them, it is like finding money. It's a great way to add value. Don't forget you can look at people's highlights and activity on LinkedIn now. Go to a post they recently commented on. And comment on it too and then say, hey, I saw you commented on this post. Here's a similar post. What do you think of this? That's simple. Don't overthink it. Make it easy for them to reply and build a relationship with you. Look at their interest. These are two different people, two very different interests. It's going to tell you a lot about that person. And it gives you a great conversation starter. 
I mean, the second person is into King Show games. I don't know what that is, but I definitely want to ask. And they're very likely to reply to it. Stop thinking only in terms of the work that you do or other people do. What people are actually most likely to comment on is the personal interest they have on LinkedIn, right? Such as this person being interested in King Show games, especially their volunteer experience. This is why you need to include volunteer experience. And we have a volunteer section in the association that can help you build this stuff out. But also you need to look at other people's volunteer experiences. If you reach out to this person and ask them about their experience as a hockey coach, are they more likely to reply to that? Or if you ask them about their most recent scientific paper, which one do you think, honestly? Coaching, why? Because it's, they're emotionally passionate about it. And it's unusual. Because most people are gonna ask about their work and their job because we're all in our work mindset when we're trying to network for work or for career progress. But if you show a genuine, genuine interest in their personal experiences, things that they care passionately about, like their volunteer experience, you're going to differentiate yourself from all the other people reaching out doing the same old thing. And you can look at their accomplishments, right, to find things to talk about. Make sure you go to LinkedIn alumni too. All of you here are at least involved in two institutions, if not three. Your undergraduate institution, your graduate institution, and maybe your postdoc or the, professor, the institution you're doing a part-time professorship at. All of these people went to the same university as you. And there are, in this, look at this case. This is over 142,000 people went to the University of Iowa, many of which are working in high-level positions at top companies. And if I reach out and say, I see you're an alumni at the University of Iowa, did, you know, was Professor XYZ still there? Like, I just find the oldest professor that I had and I asked him. Or did they still have the, the common ground restaurant there when you were there? Right? Ask them a question that gets them to identify with you. It'll build automatic rapport. These are the most important people to reach out to, not just people in your graduating class, people that graduated five, 10 years ago. Everybody thinks back about things much more fondly you know, in retrospect. Study, scientific studies show this. We forget like, the difficulties of the past, and we find ourselves looking back. You probably are doing this now to undergrad. We're like, oh, when I think back to my undergrad, I have these great memories. They're going to be the same way. It helps you build rapport automatically. And because you came from the same university, they're much more likely to help you get a job. This is just one of many things you need to understand. There's a section on this in that free guidebook that we're giving away as a bonus if you get on the Cheeky Scientist Association waitlist. You just got to go to phdsgethired.com. We're about five minutes away from being done. Okay, the two most important things of the day I'm going to show now. Number one, when you're searching for a job, once you have your LinkedIn profile done, you want to start connecting with people, search for terms other than just top or best companies. All right, search for small, mid-size, do what most people are not searching for. Go where there's the least competition. And small in industry, again, is 10 to 100, even up to 1,000 employees. It's not like a Silicon Valley startup of one person, okay? Small, there are small companies in industry that have hundreds of employees. Mid-size is 1,000 to several thousand. And even if you work at large companies, at any one location, you're going to have like 100 to 1,000 people tops. So start searching for small biotechs in Boston, right? Mid-sized engineering companies in London, Toronto, whatever big city is near you or your city. When you do this, you're going to see lists and lists of companies, and you're going to find companies you've never heard of. I chose the second option here on a simple Google search um, just to make it random the first time. And I found all of these lists of companies, companies I've never heard of, including Ocular Therapeutics. Right? How many of you have never heard of Ocular Therapeutics? It's going to be most of you. I just chose it uh, randomly the first time I did this. Just chose the second one again. I didn't want to choose the first. 
I search them on LinkedIn. Guess what? They're on LinkedIn because 96% of companies are on LinkedIn like we talked about. I'm not even looking the top right here. I'm not even a premium member. You don't need to be a premium member to, to do any of this or to get hired. I clicked on employees. It shows me all of the employees of this company. How easy can it be made for you? Now I can see every single employee. Now, don't do what most PhDs do here. Most PhDs will click on Amar or Ann because we think right for the top. Like, who's the director? Who's the chairman? These are the people that are the least likely to get back to you. They're, they're not on LinkedIn. They're, their inboxes are overflowing. Instead, find somebody who's in the job that you want or a cross-functional or lateral job to it. So let's say you want a scientist position. You want to reach out to David Snook, who's in a chemist position. Or you want to reach out to Jamie Lynn in medical affairs, Jessica Monroe in marketing. That would be fine too. Now, here's the problem. Most of you have said that you have an industry network of zero, which means you're not going to have any shared connections with David. And that means that you have to reach out to David and cold contact him, which is fine. You can do it. It just takes longer because the first time you reach out to David, he's not going to get back to you. In industry, getting 100 uh, emails per day is normal. He's going to see a name he doesn't recognize. Worse, he's going to see a name probably in his social inbox or his promotions inbox or maybe even his spam inbox, right? And that name, he's not going to recognize. He's just going to archive it or it's just going to get pushed to the bottom. But then you reach out again and maybe he sees the name again. You reach out again and again. About three or four times, he's finally going to say, I've seen this name enough now. I'm going to check out this email. If the email is short, just like the script that I showed you, it's leveraging some of our networking scripts. He's going to say, oh, this person was nice. They just added value. They didn't ask for anything. Let me go look at the other emails. And if the other emails were all nice too, the other LinkedIn messages were all nice too, he's going to feel a little bit of guilt. He's going to want to reciprocate, right? It's called the law of reciprocation. And he's going to reach out and say, thank you. Just make sure you don't do anything passive aggressive like just seeing if you got my last message, right? Just keep adding value. But it can take weeks. And some of you are asking about the frequency. You, if you're adding value to somebody, you can reach out to them every week or two and you'll never annoy them. If it's a short message, just adding value, just being polite every week or two, that's the frequency you're looking for. But it can take time, right? That's going to take you like a month or two to finally get a response from David. This is why having a pre-made job referral network is so important for most of you, especially if you're in a postdoc or unemployed or about to finish your PhD thesis. If you get access to the association, for example, you can see here, this person is an associate. Eight shared connections with David. Why is this amazing? Because now I can click on the shared connections instead of David. And look at this. This was completely random the first time, but I love how it brings the story of Dane home. Dane is one of the shared connections. So I can click on Dane, Dane's name. I can say, hey, Dane, we're both associates. I see that you know David Snook. I'm interested in learning more about Ocular Therapeutics, his company. Could you set up an introduction? And then Dane sets up an introduction. He says, sure, because he knows you're an associate. He trusts you. He knows you've been trained on the professional association methodology. So we can trust that you're going to reach out professionally. He introduces you to David. Because you both know Dane, now David's going to talk to you right away. Right? Him and Dane are already connected. David will say, sure, yeah, let's talk. Now when you reach out to David and talk to him, you can go right into an informational interview, right to asking for a job referral at the end of the informational interview right to going to the front of the line for any new positions that are opening up at Ocular Therapeutics. Type in yes if you understand. You see how that all comes home? Do you see how having that pre-made job referral network is so important? There's two things you need to get a job in industry as a PhD. The blueprint for getting hired. Not what somebody who's never worked in industry is telling you to do. Not what some lifetime academic or counselor 
or somebody who doesn't have a PhD or somebody who hasn't been in the job market for 10, 20 years, right? It's telling you to do what PhDs who are currently in industry know that you need to do to get hired. That blueprint, that's what the Cheeky Scientist Association is on one hand. On the other hand, it's the private pre-made job referral network just for PhDs. For PhDs, by PhDs, exclusive for you. And again, you can learn more about getting access to the association. This Monday, association enrollment opens up. To get access to the association, you have to go to phdsgethired.com and get on the wait list. We're at the end of the webinar here. As promised, though, I'm gonna tell you where to find your recruiter button. You have to turn this on or else you're invisible on LinkedIn Recruiter and LinkedIn Talent. So go to jobs. Okay, and we go into this in detail in our program, but go to jobs at the top of your LinkedIn profile. Click on career interests. And turn your recruiter button on. Let them know you're looking. Here's the great thing. Nobody at your university is going to have access to LinkedIn recruiter. It's very expensive. Trust me, they won't. Your PI doesn't. You're only going to show up to actual hiring managers in industry. And the kudos, Nick. Thank you. I'll show you that too. Now, when you turn the recruiter button on, make sure you take some of the same stuff from your LinkedIn headline and put it into the note to recruiters, right? Who are you? Not your academic job title. I'm a graduate student. I'm a postdoc, right? Who are you? Like, what jobs do you want? I'm seeking a project management position. I have XYZ transferable and technical skills, right? And then why should they care? Put a Y in there. Say, I want to help develop treatments for XYZ disease, right? I want to see my scientific knowledge turned into a product that helps people. Put in your location, full-time job, add industry. This is not in premium. No, this is everybody. This, everybody can do this. Look at the top right here, Brenda. It says reactivate premium. I haven't had premium for five years. And they're still telling me to reactivate it. <laughs> All right. All right, so I'm curious. I'm going to show you the kudos here. I'm going to pull that up on my screen. Um, but I do want to mention really quickly that this is your very last chance to go to this page. The easiest way to get there is phdsgethired.com. Put in your name and email address. You're going to get this bonus, 50-page plus bonus. Snapshots, arrows showing you where everything is on LinkedIn. I guarantee you, you're using about 10% of LinkedIn. Become a LinkedIn master. Get access to this. It shows you the new design, what was changed, right? There's constant changes. This was recently updated. So if you have an old one, this is the new one. Get our advanced networking scripts. We're constantly updating this too. This is our third edition. You're going to get both of these free. But you have to do it before the webinar. I'm going to close down my slides here in about two minutes. If you don't get on the page in the next two minutes, you won't get this because there's a Zoom puts a timestamp on uh, for all of you that are joining here just so we know who gets the bonus or not. We want to reward those of you who, A, take action, who, B, want to get an industry job, right, and C, who show up live. We appreciate your time. You can go to CheekyScientist.com and get our resume guide at any time as well. And if you click the menu button at the top, you can listen to all of these stories of hundreds and hundreds of PhDs like you from a variety of backgrounds, uh, STEM and non-STEM, who have leveraged these strategies to get hired. And if you, once you get in the association, you can start attending cheeky meetups. The association is not just online, it's also offline. There are pictures here of people in Germany, in Mumbai. We had a meetup in Tokyo recently, uh, Netherlands, the UK, Australia, the US, Canada, Mexico, all over the world. And it's just great to see PhDs helping other PhDs get hired. There are more jobs than all the PhDs who are actually visible on LinkedIn could ever fill right now. So if you start leveraging what we've talked about today and you get access to the association, actually get access to a 
job referral network, get some industry credibility. You can get hired. Your life will never be the same. Your career will never be the same. You saw that look in Trin and Evgenia's eyes, our panelists at the beginning. This is what we want for all of you. We want all of you to get paid well and do meaningful work. And that happens in industry now for PhDs. Okay, so I'm going to do two quick polls. I'm curious, what career tracks are you interested in? Now, I know a lot of you said you don't know where to start. That's okay. We have a career map. We have a top 40 position guide. Once you get in, we help you find the right career track for you by having you consider very simple questions to start such as this. All right, so which of these broad categories are you the most interested in? You can choose as many as you want, right? Info and data aggregation. I'm guessing a lot of you never thought about the different types of jobs in these categories. Maybe you thought of R&D, but you didn't think that, oh, medical writing and data scientists might be in the same category because it's all about aggregation. Sales and marketing, you didn't, pretty much didn't know application scientists was actually under sales and marketing, it is. Clinical and medical affairs, regulatory affairs, clin clinical trials, all of those are in the same. And you don't need clinical experience to get into those jobs. Business, finance, policy, business development, business analyst. We see so many people getting jobs, so many PhDs getting jobs at huge companies that you would never think would hire PhDs for data analyst jobs, data scientist, user experience analyst jobs. We just had somebody hired into that role at Home Depot. PhDs are in demand right now. Anybody who can dig into data and find results and who learns quickly. Kudos. I'm going to show the kudos as soon as I open it up here. So let me do, I'm going to stop sharing this. How many of you, just type in poll to make sure you can see the results if you would. Poll. There we go. And you can see there's a, a variety of interests across the board. Now, most are R&D and that's fine. Most of you all you know is R&D, so that's going to be the most comfortable for you. But here's the key. There are so many jobs you don't even realize that are available for you that will pay you very well, that will hire you without industry experience. Because industry experience can be a liability. Because then not only do they have to train you on their processes and their company, they have to untrain you on the past processes and what the previous companies have taught you. That's why speed of learning matters more than ever. In fact, we've had articles written about this specifically in Forbes, in Recruiter.com, in nature very recently. All right, so I'm gonna to go to my LinkedIn profile. And I'm gonna share this with you. And just do me a favor and type in yes, if you can see it. I'm gonna show you where the kudos button is. Yes, okay, so, oh, look at this. So if you haven't seen this yet, this is a brand new success story, Stephanie Monroe transitioned into an associate program development position at BioRassi. I love how they can do these transcripts now. So check, you can check this out and tell, uh, do me a favor and tell uh, Stephanie congratulations if you would, since we're looking at it here. We like to support all PhDs who get a new job. I'm gonna put that in the chat box. Do me a favor. If, if you guys comment on that, I'm gonna show you where the kudos button is. Okay, I'll show you where it is anyway. But do me a favor and tell Stephanie congratulations on that post. I just put it in the chat box. We like to support other PhDs. And I know there was a time you probably thought that your PhDs were your competitors. They're not. There's plenty of jobs to go around. And we've seen what can happen when PhDs start working together to get more PhDs into jobs. If you were at the beginning of this webinar, you heard Kathy say our mission is to go from only having 2% of CEOs have PhDs to have 51%. We are moving that up. We're almost at 3% of PhDs, of CEOs having PhDs. Um, a great example is the PhD who came into Regeneron and turned it into a top global pharmaceutical company. Okay, so 
see my screen? Who can see this little badge? Type in badge if you see the little badge down here. There we go. Now you click that badge, this is how you give kudos. So we had somebody come onto our radio show yesterday, Donna Sardula. So I'm gonna say, congratulations. Oh no, you can tell I'm still fairly new at using this. It is brand new. I'll choose, you have like these different images you can use. You say great presentation, making an impact, outside the box thinker. So I'm gonna say next here. And then I say, thanks a ton for presenting on Cheeky Scientist Radio this week. Great presentation. And don't forget to use these hashtags now at the bottom. Maybe that's too many, I don't know. But you click post. Now, why is this amazing? Because it's brand new. So because you came here to the Cheeky Scientist webinar, you know how to use this. And you might think, well, that's a little bold and scary. No, no, people are using this and it's good. So if you have networked with somebody, if you set up an informational interview with them, if you want to get, if you want to add value, like we've been talking about, this is a simple brand new way to do it. And you can, and right now, a lot of people don't know about it. So if you do this for somebody, they're going to see and be like, Oh wow, it's amazing. I didn't even know you could do that. So you're not only adding value by saying, thank you. You're adding value by teaching them something. How many of you just learned about the badge for the first time? Type in first. How many of you learned at least three brand new things you didn't even know about? Whether it's the word cloud hack or whatever today, type in three. Great. I'm glad all of you got value from this. I do want to remind you that this is your very last chance to get the bonuses. And we're going to put that in there for you. Um, I want to say thank you to Kathy and to Mary and to everybody um, for helping us today. I'm going to ask, you know, for those of you staying on, I'm going to ask you one more question if you're still here. One more poll. Okay. How, how sure are you that you want a job in industry after everything you've heard today? 100% sure? 90% tell me in the poll. Don't wait around to take your career into your own hands. Things are not getting better in academia. They never will. Don't listen to people who don't know what they're talking about or who are biased because they're in academia. Look at the numbers. You're a PhD. Dig into the data. Okay, do your research. There's no future for you in academia. That's okay. All right, you have other options. You are in demand in the industry. You just have to remember your value as a PhD. Industry experience doesn't matter. It's speed of learning. And you are doctors of learning because you're doctors of philosophy. So remember your value as a PhD. And I'm going to share this, share this poll. It looks like many of you are 100% sure. So 65% plus 24%, 89% of you are more than 90% sure you want to transition into industry. If that's you, do what you need to do to get into industry. Don't spend three, four years. The average it takes for a PhD level job is like 18 months up to two years to get hired into your first industry job if you try to do it by yourself because you don't have an industry network. Get access to a pre-made job referral network, a blueprint, right? Get hired. Within a day of getting hired, the association membership makes it well worth it because every day at, a, at the average salary in industry, it's worth about two, $300. You've accepted less for your, yourself for too long. It's time to remember your value as a PhD. Start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.